and welcome again to our podcast. Um, my name is Dark Void, and today we will be talking about three different subjects. The first we'll talk about is Zoom, the new famous video conferencing application, and why it's probably not the best idea as a short-term solution due to security concerns. We'll also talk about alternatives for it in case you guys are really thrilled about not following Zoom afterwards. Um, the next topic we're going to talk about is business. Uh, there's been a lot of change in business recently, so we want to discuss ideal business situations and your personal business solution as to what would survive in today's economy and right now the situation. And our third following topic would be uh, resolutions. I know that we all started them this year, and since our year got derailed, I suggest we do a start of a new year with quarantine resolutions. So we're going to talk about stuff we want to do, plan to do, and things we're already doing, you know, and seeing how we can improve ourselves, you know, just to get you guys thinking of what's next. Um, with me, I have two of my other hosts, and they are... Guys, this is Troy. Hey, guys. Letter Z. Welcome. <laughs> All right. So Z cut out there for a moment, but he's our traditional host, and so I'd like to thank him for having us here today. And to start off, so what do you guys know about Zoom? We'll start off with Troy. Well, I know it's kind of like a Skype type of uh, deal. It's an application that allows you to have kind of like FaceTime someone and just, you know, you're able to communicate back and forth. Yeah, I hear it's a, it's a competitor to like Google Duo, um, the Teams kind of application that Microsoft has. I think most companies have their own version of it, right? But it's just, it seems to be like, came out of nowhere. It seems like if you weren't following it from the very beginning, but... Yeah, it seems very popular now from anywhere from schools to like um, professional companies and even some religion, religious institutions are using it now as a way to communicate. And in your opinion, why do you think Zoom took such a high like rise at the instance of this quarantine happened? Because there's so many other options. Why is Zoom in particular? It's very simple. I think that's the the big reason like, like how Z says a lot of religious people are using it and um, some of the older people don't know how to use technology too well and it's just a straightforward little like application that's just join or then you can mute yourself or not it's very simple yeah I, I don't know so much if it's i know that it is pretty simple but most of the other video um streaming services are pretty similar when it comes to like difficulty to learn but i feel like they had like they had some kind of a leverage and but i don't know I, i've only done research on this in the last couple weeks i know a little bit about how they came to be but i don't know how they actually got a chance to jump the gun over all the other competitors for for getting that market so uh the thing is about zoom it was probably like maybe six to seven best video conferencing software in the world before the pandemic obviously and then i think overnight they saw like 16 million concurrent users jump now that's that's a lot of people in one go and all these people are using you know devices of from mobile land to computers to, you know, actual home theater systems. Um, I think the thing appealing part of Zoom is that it could be used almost in any platform, whether you have an actual dedicated uh, video conferencing area to like, hey, I'm on the fly, let's do this on the phone. Yeah. And it, I don't agree that it's the most intuitive, but I do agree that it was probably the one with the most features for cheap. Um, for example, you can have Microsoft Teams and at the point when the quarantine was existing or starting to spread, it was still a, pri a premium uh, product for Microsoft. You would need to have a 365 account, which is a monthly subscription, um, you know, but 
like many other companies, they all decided to give us a free access to this software. Uh, I know Google Hangouts was a thing that happened to be free now with the premium stuff. Uh, I know Microsoft Teams became a free uh, product as long as you, you know, register with them for six months. Uh, and I think, I think that seems to be the spread. And, you know, it's good for them and us at the same time. It gives us decent products we can use in an instance where video conferencing is a problem or a need. So, um, you know, we're all thankful for that. But at the same time, Zoom being there was free before. I think it just got, you know, ahead of everyone else. It was already free. They already had these options. It just gave you more to do so. You know, Skype is free. But even then, it wasn't a business platform that you can use. And I think Zoom was a more appealing one because it'd be like, hey, by the way, yeah, you have these top dogs, but then you have the second best. That's actually okay. Um, but there's some caveats to using that. And that's what we're going to address next. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have heard the term uh, Zoom bombing recently. It's crazy, crazy thing that happens when people just all jump in one platform. And there's obviously others out there that think, how can I mess with this and make it worse? So do you guys have an idea what it is? The name suggests anything. It's kind of reminds me of like photo bombing. <clears throat> so is this something similar to that? Someone like barges into a meeting, right? As long as they have a code or even if it's a meeting is held without a code, they can just type in a random code and jump into it, right? If it doesn't have a password enabled thing. So yeah, like um, in instances of GoToMeeting, they have like an, a, a meeting ID, a session. You use that to sign into this session and then you, and the idea is perfect world. You were invited by someone. That's why you have the meeting ID. Um, people were posting and sending all kinds of information, you know, a lot of, uh, let's say teachers, student studios were starting to move over to this platform. So they would provide these meeting IDs for, you know, like, Hey, by the way, I pay for this, but people can join using this. I mean, yeah, it, it hurts the individual uh, host that's probably doing this as a living. You know, I, for example, know a lot of people that are doing like dance classes online. And all, you know, all of a sudden you have a session ID and you share with your buddies because it's easier to access it. And really, there's no hearsay as to what you can and cannot do, like limiting participants. It wasn't that sophisticated at this point. Um, so, anyways, uh, we would we would say that the trolls got knowledge of this, started jumping into session IDs, you know, photo bombing in a sense in a video conference. They would throw out pictures of inappropriate videos and meetings and all kinds of scenarios, and they were just causing havoc just for the sake of it. No, that sounds um, about right for trolls. Not a bad. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that that sounds about right for trolls to do something like that because there's no repercussions, you know. They don't know you. You don't know them. They're, you're not going to get any – there's no punishment for it. No, I read this in the – in like different headlines and stuff, but wouldn't you be able to, as the admin of a, of a specific meeting, be able to see who jumped in, what device it was and stuff like that? You, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could track down the person, right, I would imagine? So the thing about the analytics within Zoom – uh, they, they wouldn't give you easily like what IP address, what device, who the user was registered as, because you could sign in as a guest. So all of these things superseded in as a troll and a really malicious one that could easily um, produce a virtual machine that has no trace in whatsoever. And so if you wanted to get away with it, you could. The thing is, most part, it was harmless, but it, it became a, an issue when you're trying to get to work and then you have a teenager jumping in here and just, you know, shouting out profanity in the middle of a meeting, trying to distract everyone, you know? Yeah, I bet it's also uh, kind of but, you hard know, when you're Zoom having a business meeting. And started implementing stuff for it. What was that? That's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Z. I was just mentioning that it might be like difficult situation for when you're having an actual like business conference or like an actual meeting 
with investors or like with important, you know, top level execs. And then that happens. I can see like that could become an issue for a lot of people. From what I've researched, um, there were some companies and some um, governments are trying to ban. From what I saw, there is uh, I'm on techrepublic.com. They, they posted an article and how um, Google has banned the use of Zoom with company owned computers. SpaceX has forbidden employees from using it. And some governments like Taiwan, uh, German Foreign Ministry and the UNS Senate, they're, they're asking them not to use this, uh, the app, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it just goes to show how widespread this was, because you, you think the platform was such small, like students. I know most schools are using it nowadays as a form of teachers communicating with their, uh, with their students. But then like Google, SpaceX, Na- NASA, the United States Senate just completely ignores the fact that Zoom was a thing and they're now finally taking a stand against it. Um, I mean, you have a whole state like New York's Department of Education saying no more use of Zoom. Like, it, it, it's, it's outstanding to see how quickly this became, you know, the height of the hot topic of telecommunications and all of a sudden just dropping. But even then, do you think that made a big substantial difference to them? I mean, do you still think Zoom is not being as used as often? Well, I have some questions regarding this because I'm not all like, I'm, I'm not the expert in this subject here, but what makes Zoom so popular or so... I know that a lot of people say that it's like the best when it comes to video conferencing, but what, what technology do they use differently than everyone else that makes it so good? And, and there, I know a little bit of the history that I can talk about afterwards, but what what do you know about this? Like compared to FaceTime and all, you know, WhatsApp and all these other video conferencing apps, what makes it, what, what what's the edge they have? Um, honestly, it's all their marketing. When it came time to realize that, hey, people are going to be asking for this, especially over here in the US. They already had an instance, an interest in, you know, on the other side of the world where they knew it was being used. In America, Microsoft is probably king, but when it came to the underdog of telecommunications, it snuck up underneath them. And, you know, they had options and solutions, but the, uh, you know, kind of with infamy, you, you have the antithesis of it. So we would have, you know, hey, we have coronavirus but you know what we can do work from home using zoom they kind of went synonymous so as the pandemic spread so did its knowledge and its use and i think that's what made such a big impression on people you're like hey if this is as important as fighting this you know staying at home social distancing why can't we use this tool that's you know right there and they kind of made it the same in one deal we're like hey zoom you're fighting against the coronavirus, the mentality went from, hey, you know, I, I have to use this because that's what everyone's talking about. Probably started off as, you know, small minor group of people that were just working with something that was free and something they liked, you know, not privy of the security issues they would have. You know, hackers are able to get into your systems now by exploiting security fail- flaws within the system. And not to say that the platform is right or bad, it's just that there are flaws in any system. And especially something that grows so big so fast, it's not possible to catch everything all at once. It's more so, of uh, what are you willing to risk for the use of the software? So they weren't really prepared in that sense. Like they didn't think they would get blown up with the, as the way they did. Well, they grew 380% from where they were at, you know, a month before. But, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if, if you don't mind me talking a little bit about, like, the history of Zoom. Because Zoom as a company is only as good as its creators and inventor, its founder. Um, do you, or do you have facts on uh, Eric Yuan or Yoon? I can't hear you clearly right now, but it sounds like you history on 
Can, can everyone else hear me? Or I'm sorry, for anyone who's listening to, um, we are doing this like through, you know, remotely. So we're, we're having issues uh, getting this all synced up sometimes. So thank you for bearing with us. You know, we, we prefer being in person because of the actual recording studio that we use is being quarantined or closed because of the quarantine. We have to wait another week. So we yeah, we do apologize for this and thank you for um, sticking up with us. I didn't look too deep into the organization. I looked into business analytics as to how it was operating since the coronavirus. Gotcha. Okay, a little so, history doesn't hurt, but I, well, I was more focused as to what the user impression was and how it evolved from just this, you know, small time application to, you know, one of those big rock bands for video conferences. If you don't mind, I wanted to share like a few things and then we can go right into that because I think this is like an excellent segue into you know, how it grew and maybe some of the facts that you have uh, about the current situation with Zoom. W- would that be all right? Knock yourself out, man. So Share we, us a story. So we know as far as uh, the history tells us that uh, Eric Yuan or Yoon, or I'm not sure how the pronunciation goes here, but uh, he used to work for Cisco. Um, he, was a, he was a former developer and uh, helped with the VoIP communication at Cisco. Um, he was there on a visa and he worked, you know, um, pretty frequently with uh, WebEx as well. Um, he was an engineer and executive there. So he helped with VoIP, uh, the engineering part of, uh, the Cisco WebEx, which is again, uh, Cisco's version of, you would say go to meeting, or I guess, um, you know, you could even go as far as saying teams now, but so he was there, but he was there in 2011. Um, he left, in 2011, the later part of it. And we know that after a few years, he was able to raise uh, enough money through uh, ventures, uh, venture capitalists and other things like that. Right. So he started his company back in 2011. And by 2013, he was already having his, his, his software already had up to uh, 1 million users. So he had scaled pretty quickly, but I'm not sure again, if this um, meant he had a, a stronghold in China or another market because I don't, it was fairly unknown to me, at least zoom. I saw it in the app store several times, but I never really paid attention because it was like an unknown company. You know, usually we like to use brand names that we're, you know, accustomed to, but this was, was uh, pretty odd either way. I mean, the fact that he jumped so many users so quickly and he was able to secure so much revenue in order to get started. And I guess that's raising a lot of concerns because of his, uh, he is a, he was a, is a Chinese um, born native um, student and, you know, a businessman. Now that he's um, in uh, America, he, the one thing that I did want to mention that it's kind of suspicious, but maybe not too much because of everything that's happening. Uh, his visa in order to work here in America was rejected about eight times. So like, there's a lot of suspicion over what his like true allegiance is, but he, he has tried to make the move to live in, you know, California, to live in the United States. He just prefers it from what he's been interviewed and, you know, recorded on saying about it. But either way, I mean, the scale was really big. In 2014, he had 10 million users. In February 2015, a year later, from he went from 10 million to 30 million users. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, he, raised, he raised a lot of money. But, I mean, again, he had a lot of users behind the app. So that's just kind of like a brief history, not too much. I mean, if you want to know more information, you can easily go on their website. You can go on Wikipedia. There's a lot of ways to to look it up, but it just seems, you know, almost unbelievable how quickly he uh, 
he scaled up, but he must have been good at what he was doing, obviously, to be able to do that. And yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. You need to have an ambitious, such a big company. And you said it's relatively small. It started off, you know, with a couple million users in 2013. Now we're looking at roughly 60 million users with uh, 16 million alone in three weeks from the pandemic. That is impressive. Well, and it, it would have fallen apart if it wasn't, you know, prepped and ready to go. I, I yeah, should mention real quick. Happen. Go ahead. Not to interrupt, but I should mention also that he started the, the whole company with only 40 engineers plus himself. So he was like 41 people. And that was like the starting, the launch pad there. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. That's pretty cool. Again, I mean, he only talks how impressive he is. Go ahead, Troy. No, I was, I was just going to say basically what you said. Um, it's just interesting, you know, if you have the drive, you know, you can create whatever. Drive in the skills, I should say. And now let's delve into some of the security concerns. We already spoke about Zoom, bond, but like, have we ever spoken about how Facebook, um, but I don't know, about like a year ago, Facebook had their SDK tool leaked where information was being pulled from apps, even if it wasn't something they required, you know, like username, pictures, all stuff. It had almost unrestricted access. And this is on Facebook's part. Obviously, it was an error that they found discovered afterwards. But in doing so, you know, a lot of apps were following suit where like, hey, we're able to pull this information and it was getting leaked to websites online. And, you know, they were they were using another pretext of targeted ads. But like, in reality, there's only so much an app should know. Um, and the worst part is it, was, it would like target users who weren't even using the app. So that was a big deal. Zoom was one of those applications that was falling under that same umbrella. They were, you know, say we have an iPhone app that was using Zoom, it would talk to Facebook app and just provide all that information. And we're talking about like biometrics, web browser history, time, date information, web, uh, your IP information, all of that just being pushed over to Facebook, even though they weren't synced together. And that, that's like a security concern that happens when you grow so big in a short amount of time. We're talking about like from October to now, this is, was a known issue. Was that and, something that was deliberately put into the code, do you think, or something that accidentally happened? I would say a bit of both. I imagine that they were trying to gather as much information as possible, you know, to, you know, please other consumers and get better targeting advertising for other free platform. And then also because it's part of something that was integrated, you know, there's only so much control you would have. Like when Apple makes a, an app, they're like, hey, uh, you could only do this and this and this. You program in this, you develop in a Mac, you push the app through a Mac system, and you license it the same way. So there's, I understand there's restrictions on the Facebook side. Um, and that oversight should be something that, you know, not Facebook only takes credit for being at fault, but also Zoom. They should be able to, you know, be able to get together and solve this if there's, you know, money involved for a client, if a client's using it, they're prod they're producing revenue for these guys. These guys should be on it. Their security should be their main concern at the moment, you know. Um, and that's not to say that I'm being harsh to them. I think that should be a concern regardless nowadays, considering that you're using something that will one record your voice and your face. And we've seen so many deep fakes nowadays. How how are we not concerned? Do you um, think that the fact that they originate in China, even though the the engineer had learned their skills here, I mean he's fifty years old, so he had some time. But do you think because of the origin, it's gonna? I mean, it doesn't seem like to stop them, stop their growth at all. It's just people are just using because it it's so popular. Same as TikTok, there's two apps that originate in China. Do you, is there any concerns as far as the the things you've read and you know researched on this when it comes to that? 
not that we want to be distrustful on purpose, but you know, Zoom as a company can't be just directed as to one person. CEO rep law, but it's not defining origin shifts shareholders. And at that point, it's no longer a Chinese company. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's something that, you know, the FBI, the NSA have to make their call on that and focus on their resources there. But as a company, it'd be too big to be able to do that in an, at a very small scale. Just because unless it was strictly their intention from to begin with. So what, what do you uh, think do about companies out. like uh, OnePlus, which uh, was originally in Chinese, in China, it was originated from China as well, but um, what was open to the public, it had stocks publicly traded, and then only to discover that they were uh, leaking information back to, uh, you know, private servers on user data, not different from the, you know, the ones that you collect from uh, Google or Apple phones, but it seemed like they were going into deeper information um, siphoning. So what do you, do you think that's like, again, coincidence or something just that happens? I think that this is actually a lot more common just because we don't read the regulations we sign on Zoom in particular. It's only because its origin was from China. But what's to stop it from Norwegian or Australia or anywhere else? If there's a, a country out there that wants to do malicious intent, uh, there will be groups out there that will find it. You know, depends on the security. That's why security should be the first, more important thing to do when it comes to any product. Uh, you know, because it, it could be the case that, you know, Zoom is innocently, right? In quotation marks, hyphenate this. Um, innocently getting this data, right? To make their analytics better, to improve the application performance, whatever. But say it just takes one person to break into it to get all that data. And it's, the technology is so big, so fast now, you could get all of that and have it duplicated in a heartbeat. And then now that information is compromised for everyone else. Um, it could be the same case here in the United States. Say I made an application that had all this app data just because I can, because Facebook allows me to. And yeah, I didn't leak it out there, but if I get it hacked, you know, security concerns were tossed aside and best practices weren't followed. And they were able to get in and pull that information from underneath me. I'm still liable at fault, but it seems like nowadays people forgive that because it's, it's you know, it's in the fine print. We didn't read that. So I don't think Zoom has malicious intent, but I do think they're at fault for not being prepared, like I would say for any other company. Um, if Microsoft did that again or once or twice, it's, it's, it'd be an issue. But Microsoft works on the assumption that they are to establish a 99.5% uptime on all their services. That is something to brag about. That is consumer confidence they're trying to boost and impress, you know, us, the clients that are using their products. I don't think Zoom is quite at that level, but they should follow that example. So how do you feel about the whole fact that it was banned? Um, do you feel like it was justified, even though that kind of stuff happens in other companies and other, you know, streaming type of applications, but those aren't banned from those type of uh, Silicon companies, Silicon Valley companies? I honestly say that's the best idea because we all have the right to decide what I could be the guy be like, oh, I'm going to use Facebook. I could be the guy that doesn't use it either. I mean, my decision is my own and being able to decide as a company just tells us that the majority consensus of the whole organization was like, uh, you're right. This is an issue. We're not dealing with it. Um, that's to everyone's, you know, own, own decision. But I think it's a really great decision. I think so too. I mean, yes, it's not their fault, but I mean, they're still allowing it to happen. 
if they would have found out that this information or like the sense out that oh people are getting into it when they're not supposed to let's find a way to uh, fix that and if they haven't then it's just bad company you know it's, it's what, what they would say greedy company you know they're not they want the money or but they don't want to fix the issues what's your opinion on the zoo I don't know. I, I wish um, it was easier to to put a finger on it and say um, this is where they need to improve because it's going to help overall. Uh, the fact that they're not the most trustworthy company only because of their origins kind of um, doesn't justify the the fact that people are feeling that way just because of that. I feel like they're they are delivering an incredible service. It just feels odd to not know so much about a company and so much of it not be available even if you do research on it there's very little you really know about it you know um what their end goal is is how to expand it's just you don't know there was facebook um had purchased stock in zoom for a while and they um they got bought out of the stock pretty much so zoom took control back of the company um that that said, I think that Zoom is only going to be growing more and more. I know that a lot of organizations use it. The fact that security, the security on it, it's you know, as you mentioned, it scaled really quickly, so the security didn't really catch up to it. But um, it, it's not very secure, and yet many many companies and people are using it. For most people, you're not really hiding anything. But the fact that it's also collecting data on the back end makes me kind of worried about it. I mean, even if Teams or Google were to do it which they are doing to some degree it's um it makes you unset it's unsettling you know but the fact that you don't know how they're going to be using that information is another whole other thing you know we we know that google states that the reason why they're collecting this is so they can better advertise so they can better provide services but they're not really zoom isn't really saying anything besides the fact that oops it's our bad we didn't mean to collect this um we're working on a fix but it's well, why was it collected? Why was it in the code in the first place? How uh, apps talk to each other and how information on that user and that device is being collected, not just to better the service, but it seems like more malicious. So it's just kind of odd. That's all for me on my side. That's how I feel about it. I agree with that. That's not too bad. All right. I think we've uh, beaten down on it is now. Let's say we move on to the next topic. You guys ready for it? So we're going to have a bit of a logical scrimmage. You know, we're going to put ourselves in the mind of his, uh, as, and we want to make it work in today's economy, what is something that you would focus on, right? Uh, do you guys know the four principles of a business or factors of a business? Give me, give me, a, give me your best. Give me your, give me one try at least. I was just going to say something that um, a good business is something that everybody kind of needs. So I would think maybe like schools or like teachers, um, food industry. All right. I, I can see that. But like, let's think a lot more simpler. You're talking about like the feasibility of a business. I'm talking about like the four factors of creating a business. You know, I might be overthinking it. I know that in, in my mind, I know that um, it needs to be profitable. It needs to be feasible. Um, it needs to have a long term. And I don't know what the fourth one would be. And I don't think any of those three are actually like right. But I mean, that's what in my mind, how I would imagine the principles of starting a business. I'd want to make sure I can make a profit. I want to make sure that I can continue working with it. So if if I were to, I don't know, sell diamonds, but there's only two in the world, then that business is not going to last for too long. So, you know, future proofing, and it has to be profitable and it has to have, you know, sustainability in the long run. I guess that's future proofing. Another one would be adapt, adapting. Adaptability, right. And you guys are all talking about like environmental factors, which is the idea, the way I kind of want to um, give you the fourth. Um, so, you know, one of them, obviously, capital. Do you have the money to make it happen? And 
is it fair to say that right now people are spending money? Probably not, but I still think resources are there for businesses. You know, having a stimulus uh, set up just happening soon right nowadays. I still think it's a good time to jump into a business as long as you can sustain it, right? And that goes into the factors as to what's going on. And one of them is obviously the coronavirus. People are working from home. They're staying at home. Uh, they're looking more towards service-based businesses, you know, Uber, Uber Eats, uh, anyone that can provide a bring-me-home solution, people are taking. Yeah, I think because of what's and, happening right now, we're more we're, we we tend to need service based in, industries more than brick and mortar and you know maybe products. I mean, we still need products, but I think services in between, like the delivery of food, delivery of items, the packaging of items, these seem to be like important. As the same as construction, those kind of things seem to be like very important. So if a business were to be started, I would imagine it'd have to have entail something like that in order to be sustainable in this kind of economy or be digital digital service. Like Zoom. Yeah, I would agree. Um, maybe more. I don't. Well, if you, if you think China. about, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. If you think about the economy that we're in, and you think about the situation we're in, if we were to start a business right now, it'd have to be, in my mind, easier to do something entertainment based. That's why you see a lot of streamers; their numbers are going up. And then, if you wanted to make a video game, some way to entertain people, just like the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. If we go back in history, we know that the Hollywood, the movie industry, was the only other industry other than food that was doing magnificently well. Like no matter what was happening around the country, those two businesses or those two um, services, both food and entertainment were doing magnificent. We know that one of the people there was um, Charlie Chaplin, right? The uh, silent movie star. He became really popular um, during that time. People were going to the movies, even though they were, you know, it was a dust bowl in the Midwest. Even though the Great Depression has, was occurring around them, they still set aside money and time to go to the theaters to watch these Charlie Chaplin movies and you know other types of entertainment like that. Even the radio was really popular. So it seems like as a trend, no matter what happens, people want to be entertained, especially when they're going through a dep you know dep you know a financial depression uh, through history. That's when theater does pretty well, also in great times, but especially during those times. So I think that would be an ideal business type. I can't tell you what, well, because I'm not sure. Well, I mean, in, in entertainment, you know, when you, one of those things where, like, when you're feeling down and, de and depressed and, you know, having something to make you laugh or, you know, comedy or something to entertain yourself, it gets you away from your problems. It's kind of like a, a way to escape for a time. Yeah, you definitely want to take your mind off of the issue. Um, music, movies... Uh, news, all these things seem to be really popular during these times. I mean, even Netflix, right? They had to slow down. They had to throttle the speeds because people were watching too much. I mean, you even have like the Tiger King, which is like one of the biggest documentaries only because everybody at, was at home and just looking for something that was interesting to watch. I don't know. What do you think, Void? Like, now that you kind of got us into no, this. No, no, I, I, think, I think you guys are perfectly describing the scenario we're trying to get to. But like, you guys got ahead a little bit and... And, uh, we dropped the gun. Oops. Second, uh, second factor, which is land, you know, uh, land or space, right? Like, obviously, people will take up so much time. That's a factor there. So, when it comes to what it takes for storage-wise, uh, you you were mentioned brick and mortar. You gotta have a place to store all this food. And then we mentioned uh, yeah, like Netflix. You get you have studios, production value cloud services that hold all of this together. Um, I think nowadays, 
because of we have because we have so much technology advanced, we have that that cost has been reduced significantly. Unless you're doing something that requires a massive amount of territory like farming or grocery stores or shop chains or, you know, deliveries, you don't necessarily need a lot of space to get going as a business, right? Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you, what you guys said about, you know, capital starting a business and how it's attained. And that kind of jumped into our second factor. Um, the next one I kind of want to pull out that's super important is uh, labor, right? Who works the business? Who runs the business with you? Is it feasible to do a one-man show or do you still have to find labor regardless? And is it something that has to be like a talent pool that you have to have someone like super specific to the job or, or like, you know, we have those, uh, what are we, those hiring companies that will provide you talent, oh, staffing, you know, staffing agencies, staffing. Yeah. I mean, that is, there's so many options here now in the instance of like, say for example, uh, zoom, do you think they get specialized labor for most of their business? I would imagine, right? They need to have somebody with some kind of a good background to be able to run it or help run it. And if we're talking about an ideal business, in the examples that we have given in entertainment, at least for like streaming, you know, games or just video, um, one man is fine. But when it comes to like more high quality, like studio production, then you will need a team. Plus, I mean, you, you need like engineers, right, to run servers to be able to make sure that you know, ad server administrators, you need to have network technicians to make sure that, you know, everything's streaming at top quality to make sure they can uh, predict any, you know, uh, over, well, there was a word for that when somebody like a DD DSS or something, when somebody, um, they like clog a network and they make all the speeds go down because everyone's logging at the same time. But anyways, yeah, I think you would need specialized talent. And how do you think the the labor's changed nowadays? Now that we have people can't not directly do do we see a big difference in cost for users? Like, okay, yeah, you, I I still have to pay you, and on top of that, I have to provide some kind of form of communication. Or should the communication already be something included as a business? You know, something as a preventative measure, not a reactive one, where we come up to be like, oh, we have to choose something like Zoom to get up and running when as a business you'd be like hey man we have this as a backup we don't really use it you know i think people are gonna either people who are working currently are gonna get used to the fact that work from home is an option we can run the whole business while working from home i think more people are going to be accustomed to that uh i know this doesn't sound a little off but i know most uh little just information only only fans back then before they turned into what it is now it was actually a streaming thing for like companies small companies to show uh their their skill sets and so you can buy a pack like one you could buy their videos and then one of them will be like okay guys i'm showing you how to grow today we're gonna grow uh try to as an example and so maybe companies can start going that route instead of using maybe zoom i'm pretty sure there's still people that show their talents on only fans let me just say that right now no, I, I don't know if they were so humble from the very beginning. I'm pretty sure they knew where that, that platform was going to go when they chose the name for it maybe, and the lock and, you know, key. Hey, man, I don't want to know your origin story. I, no, no, no. I, I'm just saying that what it was meant to be used for can 
you know. You might be reading the the now. Wikipedia description of uh, Patreon. I think you, <laughs> I think you, <laughs> you no, got that no, one no, wrong. No. If, if you look up the origins of uh, OnlyFans, it, that's what it was for. Hold on, w- not to get too off track, but what made you look up the origins of I OnlyFans? Um, I was watching a podcast. You were watching and a so, podcast. Mm-hmm. I was watching a D and D podcast. If you guys want to know how nerdy I am, uh, and they they give um. We shouldn't make the, we we shouldn't dig this hole any deeper because I feel like it's gonna be awkward. But <laughs> no, I mean, no, if you want to, I mean, go ahead and let me know. It, so what it is is every week when they, they do a new episode, they'll give information on their D and D character. What they uh, in that in the D and D, it's like about dads looking for their um their kids, and so they always give a dad fact about that character. And so that was one of them that he made an OnlyFans and that he didn't know what it was for, but he the 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 guy voicing the character actually explained that that's what OnlyFans was used for. Did you did you search Wikipedia? Because I, I can no. tell you right now, uh, that might be like no. a, a good like fairy tale of why they thought or what they thought OnlyFans was. But I'm pretty sure if you look up the Wikipedia, which I've seen, I'm looking at right now, the intention of that website was pretty clear. You know, you can't you can't really trust Wikipedia. Yeah, that's true. All right, so getting back, back on that's what he had to draw games cards again. And then he just lost. <laughs> yeah. But so we're, I guess we're up to the last one, entrepreneurship. Um, I, I think here is a bigger deciding fact, you know, for a business nowadays. You know, there's so many things out there. We're talking about video conferencing platforms. There's so many to choose from. What makes it a better deal or what more attractive uh, product for clients, you know? And some people say it's how you market it, right? Uh, Zoom got ahead of everyone else here in the U.S. and pro- and through everyone as a synonymous to pandemic, Zoom is the solution. You know, sometimes you do have the case where it's how you market it. You get the sale. Uh, there's superior products. I'm not going to lie to you. There's different products. There's a price point for each of that, too. But when it comes to a business, I think entrepreneurship is a bigger part now because it's, yeah, it's one thing to run a business. But if you can't, get that business to launch to the point where it's successful. That's the people who drive that. That's the push factor that people provide. That's why you pay the man the job and he gets it done. Um, what in instances of like entertainment, you know, we have producers, we have directors, uh, then we have, you know, commercials that come out. We have it targeted. We have social media that is being pushed and all that's being done by someone whether it gets automated or it's manually done someone put the thought of hey this is what we got to do to get this to lift off you know what would your business have as an example to provide this you know i think you need a strong ceo you need a strong person that can not only um if your company is going to go um public at some point you'd want to have somebody with a strong enough track record and if they have a relatively small track record at least they can uh present themselves well enough to you know inspire confidence in those that are going to be purchasing stock in that company as we can see that in steve jobs we can see that in uh, jeff bezos we can see that in you know somewhat in elon musk i mean everybody who knows anything about engineering can trust him those are people that are more financial uh more financially literate might not trust him because of his like kind of his views on like just general things. But when you have a strong CEO, people will trust that, you know, without a, without question. 
That's what I believe. You need to have a strong CEO when you start a company. Because even if the product is perfect, if, like you said, you can't market it, but even if you market it, but the CEO or the founder, the head of this isn't strong enough to, you know, put that on their shoulders, it's just not going to go very far. I mean, what's what's your thought on it? Because I mean, that's what I think, right? I mean, it's one of the most well, important no, pieces. I agree. Having a or the charisma of business. But there's other factors that go into being an entrepreneurship, right? Like, say, for example, you don't have a CEO because not everyone's fortunate to have such a badass person like Elon Musk show up at your door and be like, I got this. Um, I can tell you're a fan. What? An only fan. A what fan? Oh, man. The joke doesn't work very well when uh, <laughs> when there's so much lag in between. But anyways, don't worry. Yeah, I can, I can tell many people admire Elon Musk. Uh, we're included, I think, in this. But go ahead. My bad. Right. But like, say, for example, you do have best product to sell and you have a platform that's going to fly. It's uh, the entrepreneur aspect now is marketing. The biggest part, I would say, I want to like 50 percent for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, your product. Yeah. You know, if you drop a Kickstarter, right, are you going to look at the guy that's just like, hey, by the way, I'm asking for so and so. You know, even if it's a relatively low amount, like $500 to make my first prototype to, you know, sell or make millions, blah, blah, blah. The person tells you the story or the guy who makes a campaign that has all kinds of cool ads and you know, promises and uh, follow ups with you like, hey, you 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 participated in our Kickstarter and thanks for being tier so and so. This is what you get. And thank you, blah, blah, blah. You know. Are you they, are you just are you describing the that, prospect. that space uh game that uh has been in development for like fifteen years? What what's it called? Dang it, man! I was talking about another Kickstarter. Oh, I thought you were talking about because there, there's one famous uh Kickstarter uh company that has a like a crazy guy in charge who's uh who's basically taking in like what ten million dollars is like the most successful Kickstarter, but the game is still like not out yet. It's playable, but it's not out yet. Space Engineer? No, that's not. Space something. I forgot what it was. Hey, you stay away from my game, man. That's not Space Engineers, but it's pretty similar. It has, like, really, like, beautiful, like, graphics. It's, like, super crisp, but you can only play, like, a couple hours of actual game play in it. You know what I'm talking about? They've they've raised so much money. They've put so much time into it. It's the most, like, realistic, beautiful-looking space sim. Yeah, your computer probably can't run it, but... No, I was talking about the Rocketbook. Uh, the Rocketbook released a new product line, a legal pad, and Rocketbook's whole spew is, hey, we have reusable notepads, which I'm actually kind of fond of. I don't like having multiple notepads because they take up space. Take up space in my library, and I'm like, if I can scan it, I need it. It's important. Not a problem. Um, so I was under that whole process. You know, step one, I signed up for the Kickstarter. I got what I wanted. And, you know, they still kept sending me email. Yeah, not enough to be spam, but, you know, enough to be entertaining, right? Um, they had, like, mini video segments discussing, you know, advertising material. That right there made an impression. It's like, hey, we, you can still do more if you buy it, right? But I was already in for one set. I don't need another. But that right there, that, that example of we're going to push this information so that you can see it and make it entertaining sticks with you. In fact, it sticks to the point now where I'm bringing it up again. So I think that is right there, a big part of it. CEO, eh, I want to say 10, 15%. They're like the extra credit points. But your hardcore sell as an entrepreneur is your is your uh it's your marketing. That's I don't know what man. I would say. I would uh I would slightly disagree with that only because I feel like if the CEO 
I think you need two things to be really strong. I think you need a strong product and a strong leader to sell that product. Because even let's say you don't put a lot of money into the marketing. If I sell you, let's say in your example, a rocket book, right? I don't market it very well, but I give you good instructions and you look up the company. The guy is really trustworthy. He made a video. He goes through exactly why it's so useful and everything. Maybe the marketing is part of it in his speech, but he's just strong. He carries himself well. You get the product and the product is amazing. Although many people don't even know what a rocket book is because it's so good, because it made such a good impression. Wouldn't you tell your friends and wouldn't you spread the word? And like, again, you, you tend to trust your known, you know, uh, acquaintances and their opinion a lot more than like a commercial. Sometimes a commercial can win you over, but until like someone guides you in that direction, that's what really makes a sale, I think. So I think marketing is really good, but only when the product is equal, you know, like again, Apple was one of those magic companies that had all three had perfect marketing, had a perfect product. And then they had a leader who was like, who just made you want to buy it. You know, when he was up there explaining how it worked and how it was, how the battery was only 5% better than last year, but it's so worth it. Again, that's traditional marketing, word of mouth, uh, expertise. That is what you would sell anyways. You're saying the CEO is marketed, but aren't you using his name to market the device anyways? Isn't that already included as part of marketing? Almost. Yeah, his representation there is literally what markets the product. But when I talk about a CEO's importance, I'm talking about like leadership management. Um, you know, there's inspiration. That's also part of marketing. But when it comes to like making the decision, all right, you know, we're going to get public traded within four to five years. Our plan is this and that. That is what the leader, what the CEO should bring. Yeah, so, there's so, a bunch so of let, let me ask you this. in that process. But um, if you're going to use the face value of a CEO, that's part of the marketing. So, so let me ask this. Do you prefer a CEO that has everything in one or do you prefer a CEO that's a good delegator? What do you, what do you think the magic would be to have everything, but what, if you would have to pick a couple traits, what would be the traits? Well, even then three traits, I think the CEOs are all, at least a decent one. Right. And that's not including that they have any infamy or any kind of reputation just as a CEO in particular, only one, you know? Say I had Elon Musk, right? But he's not a financial pro. Would you want an Elon Musk with finance savvy, even if he's not as famous as Elon Musk? Well, give me three traits that, that you value highly in, in a company that you would invest in or that you would um, you would have a great confidence in. Well, obviously, we, I would look for a CEO that has a sound mind finance and that helps regardless of what situation you're in, right? If you can understand the economy and how it trades, you can use it to tool your business to sell as needed. That's one, one big factor there is, can they manage money? Even if they're not the ones directly responsible for the money, as long as they understand how it flows, how it's produced, what the cost is for your business, and how the bottom line is affected by a lot of these factors, external factors, right? Things you, you have to manage as a CEO, things you can't control, but you have to lead through. That is what matters, in my opinion, in a CEO, like 45%. Okay. So what would be the other two traits? The other two traits are one, well, one is having a sound mind, you know, someone that uh-huh. can interpret information, interpret it as it's coming because that's, that goes back to the finance of understanding scenarios or your environment. But in particular, they're able to meditate and realize, okay, our product as is won't sell, won't be able to produce, you know, Apple came out with the iPod. That was something innovative. No one was able to do that before, you know? That was a risk, but that was something the CEOs sat through and they're like, what is the next big thing in technology? What's the next leap? 
Gotcha. And you know what? Their interface was multimedia. How can we carry this with us? You know, instead of having to be home and having a whole freaking computer to play music, can we make it smaller? Can we make it better? Can we make it more usable? That right there, that sound mind, you see, you're able to interpret other people's customs and, you know, consumers digest and realize, hey, this is what they're doing. Uh, this is what it's going to lead to. Can we make it? Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's the influence, right? You got to be influential if you want to be able to be able to bring that product to launch, you know? It's going to take more than, hey, I know the money to be like, hey, banks, we need to have this high risk value. We need you to give us so and so much money, you know? There's negotiating involved and the CEO takes a big part of that. That's something there. Like that influence happens, but it's not the defining factor. It's there to help. It, it does improve your scenario, but it's not the end all solution. Like I said, if you're going to use the CEO for face value, I mean, you can have a dime a dozen of those guys. Like, hey, we have this whole board of very important celebrities, but they're not doing shit. They're just there. That happens more than, the fact, more than often, but not a bad tactic once you're established but if we're talking about launching a business today and it's ideal scenarios i would have those three traits a bit of influence financially savvy person and uh you know sound mind person so they can analyze their environment and their product all that same and how to get that to interact with each other that's so interesting so what would you what would you want troy in your like ideal ceo if you had to choose one because you're starting a company and you don't want to be the ceo or if you're going to support one, what three traits would you look for? I guess reliability, how, how well you can rely on uh, that person, you know, who's, who's helping you either lead or, you know, in, in some way, you know, helping you in that form. Maybe adaptability, you know, you never know what could happen. In any situation, you have to know, you know, you just have to, you have to work on instinct sometimes. If something happens that's out of your control, you have to just adapt to it. And I think the third quality I would say is, uh, I'll go with those two for now because I can't think of my third one. Uh, I would uh, choose someone who, number one, is an innovator. I, I think that's incredibly important. Two, somebody who's unpredictable. Because although it's not the most trustworthy thing on Wall Street, the fact that somebody is unpredictable no, and he's an innovator you know that eventually unpredictability is already attractive to many people. The fact that somebody is mysterious and you don't know what they're going to do next kind of has you hooked. So it's free marketing there. And the fact that they're an innovator means that they're always looking for something to uh, challenge them, right? They have like an engineering perspective on certain things. They can see needs. And even if someone isn't really needing it, right? Like an iPod wasn't needed. They already have a CD player. You already have other alternative ways, but they innovated. They made it even better. Um, and someone who can delegate, because I don't think a CEO should be good at um, public speaking per se, 100%. If they can, that's a great. But I don't think they should be also be good at finance. I feel like they should be a master of none. They should be, just be good at most things, understanding the concept of it. They don't need to be good at it. Um, we see that, like, and again, a template with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Bill Gates was good at one part of the company, not everything else. You you have to have Jeff Bezos the same way. He was good at finance. He managed every part of the company until it got too big, and then at that point, he kind of, like, delegated it to other people so he could keep mental sanity. When a CEO tries to grab onto everything, you see companies fail. Um, in my mind, that's what, again, delegating being good at uh, innovating and being unpredictable are three things that I think help 
someone in charge of a company or in charge of a system work fine because you want to be able to delegate. You want to be able to innovate on whatever other people are doing that they don't see that because most companies want to follow the grain. Like, oh, we're, our, our numbers weren't that good, so we have to do everything we can to get their numbers back on track. If we remember, Apple was close to being bankrupt more than once. One time was almost, it was done pretty much until Bill Gates stepped in. Again, that was unpredictable and that was because they innovated in a way that nobody else thought that they were going to make money. If you were to follow the brick and mortar rules or the, the rules of the economy, the rules of business, then the idea of making a Macintosh when nobody wanted one was a horrible idea. The idea of making an iPod when there was no need for that was horrible. The idea of making a phone with no buttons, just a touch screen, when every phone out there had like, you know, flip screens or had, you know, actual push buttons was a horrible idea. That's unpredictable. That's super dumb. But it ended up being the, the best idea possible. You give people what they don't expect to need. Well, again, I want to point out that that's, um, I, like I said, my CEO option understands, but even if he isn't the exact word I said, he needs to understand it. Not saying that he does it, he manually does everything for you. No, there's no way a single person could do all of that work. Yeah, it's like the same thing as the president. He's supposed to wear seven different hats to manage the whole He just you know, delegates government. it. Yeah, he has secretaries of state, you know, and all of those people well, to do that stuff. Well that's what I would say. Um see having a CEO is good and all, but I think having a more reliable team is better. And you know, not a, a team effort is better than a one person job you know the team works together and maybe they'll they'll delegate like someone to be their spokesperson but i think that's more important than the ceo honestly because i right. feel like and apple, again that apple, goes back to 50 percent product marketing and then 15 deal the rest goes into how the labor is affected how your management spec organization and how they interact you know how the incentives push the labor to do more for the company because you know demeanor is a big fact it helps a lot you know people talk about google and they're like dude google is the best place to work because this is that you know that that drive helps produce the image of this product and they're like this is what it's part of when you buy this you know there's all kinds of stuff like tom's you know you look at tom's and you're buying shoes and you're like this provides another shoe for someone else mm -hmm. that sentiment that you get as a factor for buying this product goes into that as well as the demeanor that the employees have all of that i mean yeah, Amazon's a great company, but when you hear about people saying, hey, don't go work at their warehouses, that kind of sets you off. But would you stop using it? No, but if you had heard great things from Amazon's warehouse, you'd probably buy more. Even though, like, I think the people complain a lot more because if you look at the warehouses that Amazon has, sure, that they're the people there are expected to work on a on an actual, like, you know, scheduled time or a timed basis right when they come into work they're supposed to be clocked in at this time the the breaks are timed everything is like super organized to be efficient some people take that as like that's a very harsh environment but i'm like think about like app amazon is one of those few companies that actually have jobs still in america right because if you look at what apple did if they would have had those factories where like foxconn where they make the telephones the actual iphones in america they would be sued so many times because if we know what happened in China, people were committing suicide so often that they had to put nets around the entire building. If you're telling me that Amazon is a hard place to work and people in America complain and are suing the company back and, you know, over and over because they didn't get their break on time, they were getting dehydrated, they got, they, they complain about small things. I mean, obviously I wouldn't want to work there, but if you had to, it's still a hundred times better than working in one of those factories from China that make the iPhone. 
So it's all about perspective. I think th- that reputation hurts Amazon a little bit. Like you said, it doesn't really stop people from actually ordering. It makes them maybe think twice when they click the add to cart button, but they'll still do it. But again, I mean, that's just complaining and that's bad press. But if you really looked at like other companies, they do things much worse in company at their factories overseas. Correct. Like I said, it's part of the demeanor aspect. Good or bad, it, it influences. It's bad, it hurts it. But it is a factor that plays into it. It's not being excluded. It's just a negative. And, you know, sometimes it has an exponential factor. Like, say it's something that's causing, like, that caused, uh, like, an oil spill, right? You know, BP never got over that because people still see it as the bad guy. Because, one, they haven't cleaned it. And, two, they kind of treat it as, like, eh, it happens. That would not go away. It's written down in infamy. It, that stays with you as a, as a business. So why, that's why you could see them push back with this huge campaign of marketing to improve but it, it, people's impression of them. It also depends on the business type because we're, we're the, what we're saying is uniquely applicable to like digital and, you know, tech type of businesses because you can't, for example, the innovation and having to recuperate an image. Like if you, if you mess up the iPhone five, your image is like destroyed, for the iPhone five, then you can re jump bounce right back with iPhone six, make it a hundred times better, innovate, innovate, innovate. But if you mess up toilet paper, it's really hard to make a bounce back. Cause you only have one product, you know, you can't really innovate the toilet paper any more than it already is. If you mess up the gasoline refinement and you spill it all over the Gulf of Mexico, it's really hard to make a comeback because you only have one product with tech. You can burn an entire warehouse or your phones can blow up as we know some did in the past and then just, well, we fixed it. This is the new version. And we're like, oh, okay, we get over it. I mean, we can still be a little wary. Like, I don't know, man. Those folding screens kind of wear me out. They're kind of weird. But then you after a while, you're going to get you're, it. You're specifying it's just the, the business. Well, yes, yeah, the industry. Like, right? Well, in the industry, like Samsung had those. Oh, cool. They offered you a free replacement, right? They also said, band of these cells with this phone. Like, they did something for it to help repair the the demeanor people had of their company. But that's what they I'm saying. It, it's like that's such an important fact. They did. BP didn't really react the way people wanted it, and that caused a backlash for them. But you see, that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying about the industry. It, the as you're saying, like VP tried to fix it, but it's very hard. But it, because it doesn't, they they don't live by the same rules that tech, the tech companies are able to live by. The the fact, like you said, if something messes up it's easy for them to make a 180 and fix it because you know where the issue is. The chip they're making, the type of workers they're using, whatever it is, is easy to fix. But for people that make, that grow corn, that people that grow or like develop toilet paper or gasoline is really hard because usually the effects of messing something in their product are far felt, you know, far felt, you know, besides the environment. But I'm arguing with you that the fact that it's not the product business in why? Because I can tell you more. And they heard about the, hey, by the way, you have an oil spill out in the Gulf of Mexico. What are you going to do? They waited 24 hours to even respond to any hails or calls about what are we going to do next? And you know what they said? It'll, you know, it'll get cleaned up. They essentially had the aspect of it'll be taken care of. Not a game plan, not an effective outreach, not a not any of the instincts you would say when you want to apologize for a mistake. Well, that's the point. Right? CEOs, Samsung CEOs don't, don't apologize. Failing, offered replacement. BP had the opportunity to be like, hey, we're doing sending out so many ships to provide this and that, so many millions of dollars. That didn't even happen. It wasn't until after the fact that they realized that the, the whiplash they received for not doing anything 
that they, you know, instinctively came into action. But that's not a proactive approach. It's a, it's a reactive approach. And that's where it affects you. That yeah, demeanor but- has been taken out. And again, it's not product based because you're talking about how the Chinese were, um, you know, dying out in the factories for Apple. Great. But do you know why it didn't hurt Apple as much? Because it wasn't happening in the U.S. where it had more attention. It happened in Chinese, in China. So what happens in the, United, the U.S.? You don't hear that offer information as often. Even now, the coronavirus, it happened in China. People didn't believe it. They didn't take it seriously until like three months later. Yeah, until it I, directly affects your clients, there is no concern. But if that concern becomes a factor in your product, it doesn't go away. But it, it is it's industry like, based like because... It's like how they say, out of sight, out of mind. That's what I was saying about it, how it's industry based because it did affect... The, the, the spill in Gulf of Mexico did affect the people here because the gas prices steadily started to rise either way because of it. So you can't say it doesn't. But the idea again is the industry has different type of CLs, different type of ways of dealing with it. The, for example, the BP spill, you have old style CEOs that said, you know what? Uh, we don't apologize because we're, they grew up in that era of, of leaders that say, we don't apologize. We just move forward. When it comes to Samsung and when it comes to the tech industry as a total, as a, like a whole, they'll acknowledge the failure of a product and fix it. But you can't expect that from people that run Coke, people that run like Taco Bell, these in these gigantic corporations that run off an old school mentality like Subway. That's why they're dying out. They don't they don't acknowledge things until it's too late because they have a way of responding to these type of situations that you don't see. Like I said, you're, you're you uh, you giving me all the same ammunition and spelling all kinds of businesses, different spectrums and how they're all failing. It's not product specific it's how your business is seen as you know what influence does it provide as a company that demeanor right yeah like so when you're talking about food okay let's go to the food topic right there's a tyson tyson the chicken nuggets company right right they uh they shut down a bunch of factories because there was contaminated with the coronavirus if they did nothing what would happen people would get more sick do you think people would forgive them and be like i'm gonna go buy more some chicken nuggets no man people will be pissed yeah, You'll be angry and don't forgive them for that. So I guess That's we're talking about the same thing stuff. because again, it's uh, that you, adaptability that we were talking about. If your company can't adapt, then you you don't. It's like the rule of survival or the the rule of the light world. If you can't adapt, then you, you die off. Yeah, and again, that's what I guess we're going around the same subject because we're just saying the same thing. But yeah, no, uh, you're saying specifically no, no, it's no. product based. You, you I, know, no, I I never said product. I keep saying that it's industry. Industry. I'm pretty sure if you guys hear it, you guys first can. he's out there trying to push Coke as a product, and then he's like, never no, mind. No, no, I keep no, saying no, industry sorry, based. I apologize, I apologize for doing that. You know that I've been saying industry based, right, for the last like ten minutes or so. Yes, but it's not industry based. It, it is industry any, based in all industries. And it's it not, I, you, you're you're debating products. I'm saying industry. Industry. No, I'm tech industry is one. How they're similar. I'm Both. just saying. I'm just saying how tech has different rules. The way they respond is a lot quicker. Is a lot fat. They can. They have whiplash speed to respond to a, a crisis or a that's, problem. That's not what you're saying at all. That is exactly what I'm saying. Bubble. No, like say for example, uh, if they have a broken phone or a phone that that battery pops, they can easily respond to it with the next run of phones, no problem. 
when a BP oil spills, they have to wait 20, 48 hours, and then that issue lingers on for months at a time. Then you have to pay for doctors, and you have to pay for getting sued. Okay. Then you do all one the factor it's technology hard. that or even the, the Tyson food, difference. even the Tyson food that you're mentioning. These issues are not easy to clean up. They take a lot of time. They affect the environment. There's a lot of issues wrapped the into it. Is, With like, tech, it's not really that. Think about the. They, they did something about, about the response. Okay, think about yeah. the okay. BP didn't do anything because they're okay, like, oh, okay, it's not okay. An issue. But think about this: the Zoom, the, what we were just talking about, the Zoom security issue, right? That was a big thing, a big negative against them. But they're working on it and they're fixing the issue, no problem. No one stopped using the product. Right. That's why they're not a failing company. That's what I'm saying. Like it's I an said, industry-based it's thing. It. It's an industry-based because they're all tech. Based. It's not. Under- Those are all techs, though. The, all the tech okay. things can easily bounce from it. Is this Xiaomi? They have their Xiaomi. chips that are being manufactured from China, and they, they're banned in the United States. But they're they're still okay. being sold all over the Europe, all over France and yes, Italy. But now their biggest market in the U.S. has been targeted. Why? Because they had relationships with China. Infamy happened there. It's, it doesn't matter what it is. But they still bounce back they, from it. You know, you have Marcus Brown from America making great you know reviews on their phones. You still have India as an open market for them. They're still growing year over but year. And they use their consumers from the United States. No, because it became such a big factor of infamy that hey, you're not going to happen here, buddy. That right there, that mentality pushed that product off the line here in the U.S. They're not longer. They're no longer a competitor when it comes to freaking uh, 5G at this point. They don't even have permissions to do that. Well, Actually, not, one phone does. Maybe, but like stuff like that affects your business, and that's what I'm saying happens to be a bigger percentage than the CEO, but still less than. Okay, the okay, but because yeah, they can market less, their phone anywhere else in the world and sell it, but when it comes to like, hey, our target consumers are no longer buying it, it hurts them. That's why their business isn't succeeding. It is succeeding. What are you talking about? They've made more revenue last year than they did the years before. They're growing year over year. Last year, but now we're talking about this year. Do you think that prospect is going to be true? It's not going to change the fact that they already announced their new phones. It's not going to change it. It's not like the BP. BP lost millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue after that oil spill. These people were banned from an entire country, the world's leader of economics. The United States banned them completely, and they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars. When you're comparing apples to apples, they're still winning. We're we're also talking about This industry is still better than that. I'm not saying the industry isn't treated. God, no. It's still a tech company, and it's one of the best. But that's why I'm saying but there's rules to the tech the industry that you can't expect. Now, when it you. comes to an aspect of trust, do you think they fall in line with Samsung or like 20 or 30 seats behind? That's what makes the difference in the very successful For company. one country, though. And one one country. That's only, potential company. that's only applicable to one country because India still finds them reliable. Korea still finds them reliable. Xiaomi still being sold in Japan. I, I have a, Zou- a Xiaomi phone. Like it, it's still it doesn't. I can see why it's okay. not. It's not a scratch though. Is what I'm saying is because if you look at the numbers, if you really want it's a dent, it's a really big dent. I yeah. don't think Xiaomi would be able to. Of course, of course, it's here. a dent. But I'm saying people from America still order it. I mean, how do you Marcus Brown? How to unbox no therapy? To around it, but like but my, my point. My point is that the product. My point well, is what we're talking about. See, what we're talking about is, you know, how do or how do we make our business thrive? And, you know, you're giving a lot of examples, but you're just saying, hey, you know, this stuff is still working because. And so Boyd is saying, uh, you know, yeah, but those these are the issues and this is what caused it. And you're trying to argue that point. I'm not arguing the point that there's issues. Uh, Every industry has its issues. Every industry has their shortfalls. And if you look at this company, as we were talking about, of course, they, they lost an entire market. They could have even more revenue. But my point to you is saying all I'm saying is that. 
the rules of the industry you're in are different if you're in the tech industry. There's things you can do in the tech industry that are exclusive almost to the tech industry compared to another part. He gave the example of the VP oil spill. It really affected them for years. Even now, they haven't fully recovered. Their revenue hasn't hit exactly what it was before. Their stock isn't as strong. And it was one incident that was a mistake that happened, right? Okay, that's the gasoline. That's the service and, you know, an actual product that they have, gasoline, right? That affected them. And it affected the price of oil and gasoline around the country and maybe other parts of the world too. But it definitely here in the United States, we felt it. Now, that's one industry, one industry. Now, let's compare that incident, something similar, something on that scale. And now we have Xiaomi as an example. He brought it up, not me. But the Xiaomi was banned from the United States because of the fear that it has too many connections to the Chinese government. Now, let's compare. One is bigger of another. One is espionage. One is environmental disaster. You would imagine that this was an, would be enough to cripple the company, Xiaomi, from, you know, from growing because the biggest company, the biggest government in the world has said, we don't allow that. You guys probably shouldn't either, but it's up to you. But it didn't because the countries still use it. Other countries still, you know, the comp- the phones continue to be made. Their revenue continues to go up. They're missing out on hundreds of millions because they're not able to sell legally or freely in America, but they're still being sold in America and in other places. My point is that that fact that not only did the government accuse them pretty much of being espionage or spy phones it didn't hurt them as bad as the bp oil spill their revenue continued to go up their stock is still available to purchase and to trade that's something you can't expect from something like the gasoline industry this is again a different industry the tech industry have these rules that aren't the same for others that's all i'm mentioning that if you're going to start a business it's important to think about that some of those things don't apply to tech no matter how bad the the, I guess, bad press is on a tech company, like a phone exploding for Samsung or a phone being spy spying on you or an application taking your data, it doesn't stop the, that industry from growing. Those type of items or those type of services compared to toilet paper being found to give you cancer or toilet paper that, you know, breaks or whatever, what have you. Those type of things right. affect you is what so, I'm saying. respectfully, I understand what you're saying. Let me just prove to you I'm missing the picture of what. BP, what's their competitor? Let's go with Shell. You know, Shell didn't have the same issue that BP did. You think Shell is better off than BP? Respectively, yes. They're far better off. If BP were to be able to pull off a better, you know, I want to say, uh, uh, you know, crowd control, they probably would be better off than where they are today, right? In situations, if they had handled it better, they'd be better off. That's what I'm saying, Right? They're in a seat of the top 10. They're probably in seat 10 right now. But if they had it better, they'd be seat 8. Even closer to a goal of like Shell than where they're at today. I agree. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going with. And that's just the gas company. Let's go over to Xiaomi, right? Xiaomi, let's say Samsung is off the top. You know, they're our number one guy. If Xiaomi didn't have the association of China, they wouldn't have had that setback where they're no longer sold in the US. Do you think they'd be better off at seat 10? Or at seat nine compared to this, you know? Okay. There's no going around the fact that they're being produced from China. All right. So, so someone could spin so, it so out. L- but l- let, I'm not done. Let me let me just push. What I'm trying to say is that regardless of the environment or the the type of product they're selling, there is a race to see who's better on each scale, right? And I'm saying because the individual company itself couldn't handle the way properly, 
they're falling behind. Not saying they're not successful by any means. God, no. I'm saying they're not as successful as they would have been if they had done things differently. And that right there is what signifies, you know, the demeanor, the presence of a company. Like, hey, is this a good or bad company? And that is a factor for selling. But that's why, again, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. That's my point. That's my only point is that their their impression of the company helps sell a product or their or their device. If that is affected, it does hurt you or help you. And again, you know, I, I'm, it, say new companies starting up don't have any presence. They have zero sum. Okay, they, it won't be effective. But as they grow and mature, that becomes an, uh, an aspect, a bigger one. And that's why it matters. And I'm saying it, it matters more than the CEO because it, it doesn't matter what CEO BP had. I bet you they fired him and got a new one because of the situation. Right, right. I, I don't I don't deny that part. I'm just saying, again, based off the industry, based off the type of company you're talking about starting or, or just like hypothetically speaking about, if you're looking at the example again of these two specific companies, the industry makes some of the rules easier to work with. For example, you're talking about the VP. BP is not going to come make any comeback right from where it's at. It's just too hard to dis, you know distance yourself from what happened in that point. But when it comes to Xiaomi not being sold in America, that's very easy to beat out. All you need is a couple of new presidents, market it properly, and you can if as long as you can prove that there's no you know whatever malware, people can talk about it. But I, you would still buy a Xiaomi phone if you saw like you know Drake or somebody where or like a Lincoln Park or whatever with it. You would still buy it. It's still easy to make a comeback. But if you saw a rapper wearing BP, you're like, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't use that. It's not. It's too right. But then there's also the it's counter different. argument. Samsung doesn't have to fight that issue. They're just selling it. What? Not really. Yeah, but the com coming back that, from that deficit right is easier for the tech industry. That's my point. That's my point. It's it easier. Matter. Okay, say car industry, a whole different thing, right? We have hybrids and you know, non-hybrid cars. We have full electric cars. You know, would a full electric car sell if it didn't have such an appeal when it comes to saving the environment? No, Ford doesn't have that, but they're trying to get a share of that. That's why they make a car to market that. There are different races on each of these categories. Yeah, but and again, that's that's partially tech, though, is isn't helps. it? That's partially tech because you're using tech in it. That's my point. That's exactly even if it's okay. We'll go something that's not tech related. Give me toilet right? paper. Give me food. Give me something that that isn't tech. We'll go with uh, Walmart. Okay. Walmart versus. Uh, I want to say Kmart. You know, or Kmart Amazon. died out of business years ago. No, we're trying to be zero tech, right? So okay. I'm not going to use Walmart's edge on like, you know, pay to your curbside, you know, parking stuff. Like, But Walmart not, and Amazon would be closer, more related, right, than Target. Because Target doesn't have all the features that, that Walmart has, one-to-one. -one. No, no, but I'm talking about back in like, I want to say like 10 years ago when Kmart was relevant. Okay. It was a thing. How many Kmarts are there out there in the world now? Can you find them? Because no. they don't have tech. That's my point. We're not talking about we're talking, tech. We're not talking about tech. I, I'm talking about a situation where we eliminate tech altogether. Okay. Right? Go ahead. And in this instance, it's Walmart and Kmart pre-2000 eras. Okay. okay. Kmart was a thing. People would go buy stuff from there. There was one in Clovis here. That's no longer a case. Why is that? Why did Walmart outbeat all of them? Because they're able to manage market things better. The impression is Kmart, eh, not the best clothes. Walmart, they have the better deals. The, the brands of clothing that Kmart would have weren't the best and then you're like oh well, walmart has the better option you'd go after that impression of walmart over kmart won out in so, the long term so are we talking and about impressions or are we talking about like deficits i'm, ta I'm, I'm back always from talking deficits. about impression the demeanor of a company
the impression of this company doing better because of the image it provides, which is what I've been arguing with you about bad impressions and good impressions. You know, no, Samsung, no, 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 no. I, I don't mind so that. I don't mind that. I, I'm not against that or anything. I'm not arguing then that. Why are you arguing? All I'm saying is that when when a company... Argue? My yeah. point... No, 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 no. I'm easily making a point here. When a company hits a deficit, a bad reputation, a bad situation, the rules are different if it's a tech company. That's all I'm saying. You were saying that it's not it's no, not true because tech BP... tech is not a tech company anymore. A tech Or is tech a industry. No, tech is a factor now because, like you said, people are working from home. If I didn't have my phone, how can I order my food to go? I can't order takeout. Okay, I can't have okay. Walmart deliver my shit. Technology is going to be a factor regardless. Okay, what's of what's easier and to make tech a, companies? Let me let me put it this way: What is an easier industry to make a a bounce back from when you hit a low note? Like if you make a big big mistake, what what industry would be easier to to recover your your company's reputation with? What industry would be make it easier than than tech? I would say service companies, right? So tech, you're probably thinking like, oh, I made a, I had a tech startup, you know? Technology. That's not, it's not full tech though, because the service is not the same thing as technology, as physical technology. Service could be sold. It doesn't have to be based on technology. I mean, look at Uber. Uber was a service, but it used tech. They had they had a drunken CEO. Again, they fired him, and the, the company's still being used. That's a factor. That's a factor. It, if Uber could be a taxi thing where you could call them, that's why the taxi uh, business died out because calling wasn't as effective as tech. But they made a comeback is my, is my point from, but, from, but from no, bad you're press. You're saying tech companies are under a different mantle. And I'm telling you, tech is a factor. If companies don't use it, they're obviously going to fail. That's a different story. But like tech companies are still under the same perception issue. It, it's just, it's just easier. It's just easier to make a comeback from a bad rep. That's all I'm saying. No, what you're trying to argue is that technology is the better category to be to, flexible in. To make a comeback. That's no, all. no. To make a comeback from bad reputation. That's all I'm saying. That's all right. I'm saying. But I just like, needed I'm you to hear. I just needed only, to hear you say you're right. No, but you're wrong. But I'm not. You are wrong because you're still under the impression that tech companies are in an isolated bubble. Which not. I, I'm not saying they're in an isolated bubble. I'm just saying you that did. if you any, did say that, you, if you your company, said they're, they're, they're separate. And I was like, wait, they're not though. If, if they're, they're not in another world, they're not in another, wrong, they're, they're not in another world. They're not in another country. They're in the same. That's what you're arguing. What I'm saying is that it's, it, it, they follow almost different rules. It's an easier. They don't. they don't. If someone has a bad impression of a company, it affects them negatively. But it's the only relationship. The, the, diff, the different rule is the fact that they're easy. It's easier for them to fix that negative viewpoint that someone has on them. It's easier to fix. No, it's not. It's easier to mitigate like the tools for it, but the response is what matters, right? Say if BP had an instant button that says, "Hey, I'm sorry, let's send so much money." Just a button, pre-programmed, automated everything. That would be a hundred times better than waiting 24 hours to give them a, I don't know, we'll fix it. That yeah. right there. doesn't matter how technology played a factor into it. It's the decision and the response. And that's what makes the factors of that business impression. Agree to disagree. All right. So Wow. Says the guy. All right. Hey, that's, All right. That's, Last you, one, that's your preference. A lot lighter. That's my reference. So. Somehow, hopefully. Yeah. Well, the next and the final topic for today is uh, what do you guys do now that you have so much free time? You know, we all started out the year we're like hey i'm not gonna drink i'm not gonna go out blah blah, blah spend money save money we all made promises you know because it's a custom to the end of the year but now we're at a point now where the year is on hold and uh we're pretty much restarting again from scratch what are we doing now what's going on next you know people i personally have spent more time reading i love books so i haven't had the time to read books i would always go out of work and you know if i get home i'm staying home 
So, and I knew I had things to do. So I keep on going now that I can't keep on going. Cause even work is telling me work from home. I'm home and boom, I instantly turn on my computer. I'm reading, reading. I have a Kindle here. I have a ton of books. I have like 101 books now compared to when I got it in October. I mean, I, now that I have all this extra time digging in there, taking my time, um, you know, obviously working out, it's in the plan, but like, I'd rather enjoy my book time now. Cause I don't get a lot of it when I'm working uh, my full-time self. So, you know, what are you guys doing to keep yourself busy or what things um, do you plan to start doing? I do have, I have a couple plans, but because I'm still working the, my hours that I am, I don't, I still don't have too much time, but it's I do essential. have a lot of time on the weekends. I kind of similar to you. I've been trying to read some books here and there to, to just broaden my horizons. Cause one of the things I really do want to start working on is um, I'm writing a story. And so I have a couple of the chapters done. I'm trying to script it. And then eventually I want to turn it into something. Uh, another couple of things I've been working on is drawing. I want to learn how to draw and little things like that. And uh, working out for sure. Those are like a couple, a couple of the big things I'm trying to do. And how is that different from okay, the time you can quarantine? Um, I, just, I have more time. Just now that I have more yeah, it's availability. Now, instead of being like, <sighs> I would do it, but I'm exhausted. And I just want to do this instead. Now I have the time to do both in, in that sense. All right, Salty Zero, your turn. Uh, well, kind of the same boat. Um, we haven't started working from home in my, at my you know, job, nine to five type, type situation. Uh, we have reduced hours, but we're still working. So finding the time in the evening to catch up on... Uh, I don't know. There's a couple different things. There's audiobooks I have been listening to those and podcast. Uh, obviously, working on this, making sure that you know it continues to grow in one way or another. Um, that's probably what I'm spending my time on. I have my don't really make New Year's resolutions. I don't really think that's ever going to you know be effective way of planning things for the year. But I guess we have goals, right? We have goals that that can start at the beginning, in the middle, or any point of the year. Now, I just you know things you want to hit. Um, the gyms are closed, obviously, because the quarantine is still going on. So um, haven't found time to work out at home, just kind of working on, you know, intermediate fasting, reading up on that. Uh, but trying to learn new things, I think, is always an interesting, always a good thing to do. Uh, but my time has really been spent on, like, catching up on audio and podcast, kind of uh, broadening my horizons that way. So you're probably taking the approach of, like, a physical book, um, which is good, too. I probably want to get into that eventually too but well I, know. I know i played on my string but what that's why it's what what do you like to do if you're uh, here getting the story that's i think 100 percent more entertaining if you know what you want i'm not a good creative person so i don't do that but like i like seeing the process of building that up so i look forward to your story troy whenever that happens okay all right uh i've been doing it for like pretty much creating just writing creating stories i've done it for so long um, I, I know as a kid, I used to, like every other kid play outside, play in the backyard and I would just, you know, something we did. Well, we'll be doing a, um, another podcast, uh, regarding actually a similar subject. I don't want to spoil anything yet, but I think this was a really good conversation. You guys, I appreciate, uh, you guys being able to do this from home and thank you for the listeners actually listening as well. I know that there was a moments where the audio might have been cutting off or the we've been having small issues here and there but uh we're working on yeah, getting the whole this time about Xiaomi. isn't it xiaomi by the way that's what i'm saying wrong on purpose oh 
Gotcha, gotcha. Of course, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Don't get a little wet there. Should have. So, anyways, we're uh, glad you guys were joining us. Uh, We're going to be signing off now. I appreciate everything. You guys, any final words? No? All right. Well, I guess. Uh, So, I didn't hear anyone say anything, but I want to say thanks again for uh, tuning in. Um, Good things, people. We got time on our hands and only can do with ourselves. So, please don't. Don't go out there and try to get yourself sick. It, from what I hear, it's super painful. You know, encourage others to stay home, You know, sleep well, eat properly, help each other out whenever you guys can. Do good things, essentially. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, well, that, that's a perfect sign-off. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, expect uh, Void to man another episode soon. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.